with you for another episode of Automatic, and we're a month into the college basketball season and a lot of craziness going on, but what better way to find out where we stand after this first month of men's and women's college basketball than having our good friend Drea Carter on here, and we're excited. And Drea, I know you're going from the football field to the basketball court to the studio, and hopefully Steffi didn't have to twist your arm too bad to jump on the podcast with us. Uh, no, not at all. Thank you for having me. Steffi knows I would do anything that she asked me to do. So this was an easy yes for my wonderful friend Steffi. So I'm happy to be here. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for being here. I feel like every time I turn my TV on, it's you're on TV covering various sports. So how have you navigated, I guess, the last few months um, first we got WNBA, college football, NBA, men's college basketball, women's college basketball. Holy shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, and don't forget, she's also boxing in between all this. She's too. boxing. <laughs> she's got ice on her knuckles right now for those listening. She's, you know, she's everywhere. She's doing everything and she gets her workout, workouts in. So how have you done it? Um, it's been the overlap between WNBA and then obviously I had out of pocket with Alyssa Lang and football games. That was probably the craziest stretch because it was, you know, the WNBA finals, they're a series or WNBA playoffs at one point are a series. So you've got basketball on, let's just say, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, but out of pocket was on Wednesdays and then football was on Saturdays. And so that was, it kind of was almost like you're on autopilot. Like you do the work, you do the prep, you study it, you trust it, you have to flush it and then prep again um, for whatever's next. And so I think for me, it was just the prep, like, okay, I have three hours on this day. I'm going to spend an hour on WNBA. I'm going to spend an hour for out of pocket. I'm going to spend an hour for my football game and just trusting whatever I have on my documents as solid gold. Meaning I researched it. I thought it, I saw it, I heard it. And I think just trusting my documents that I have once I get where I'm going was probably the best thing, um, for me meditating. I meditate to try and like stay calm and stay grounded so that I don't get too overwhelmed. That helps a lot. I definitely feel a difference. And then honestly, maintaining my workouts helps me a lot because I feel like the one thing that'll really get to me is if I feel like I haven't done my workouts or I haven't meditated or I haven't taken care of my body, that's what I'm probably not going to do well performance wise. So um, yeah, just staying on top of it. I, I don't know if I'm going to have this crazy schedule forever because it's not quite <laughs> sustainable, but just staying on top of things and having good support and great people to work with, honestly, has been helpful. Well, I also was going to ask you about um, kind of getting your feet wet with the NBA. How have you noticed, uh, like, you know, the way that you prepared for college basketball? Is it the same kind of prep work? Um, for the NBA and uh, what have you enjoyed? Um, because last episode we had Debbie Antonelli on and she was kind of talking about her prep work. She starts the back of the notes, works her way to the front, you know, really stat heavy and then working to the front. Yeah. So that was, you know, Debbie's a legend in our business. So that was interesting yeah. to hear. So kind of what's the prep been like for you, like your process and then the end for the NBA as well? Yeah, Debbie is an absolute legend. So <laughs> I, I think that uh, Debbie's so great at what she does. My prep, it just, it depends. Like if I'm in studio, it's going to be different than if I'm doing color. It's going to be different if I'm doing sideline analysis or sideline reporting. It's, it's just different all the time. 
For NBA, though, I think the one thing, because I've done studio shows for the NBA and then studio shows for college, studio shows for the WNBA. The NBA is interesting because I'm covering, let's just say, Kevin Durant or Damian Lillard. And while in college, you're probably going to get extremely hype about a step back into a three-pointer. But for Damian Lillard and Kevin Durant, that's just what they do all the time. So Every for the possession. NBA, yeah, that's like that's nothing for them. So breaking down, you can break down the step back and how they do it, but it almost just has to go a little bit deeper because it's like that's that's what they do. So what beyond that is how they were able to get that shot off or re- make that read. And so for the NBA, it's kind of like what you see and then why. But sometimes the why is just that they're the best player in the world. So that's the why. So you have to go another level deeper in my analysis. And that was probably the biggest difference Um, for me. Prep wise studio is kind of still the same. Like who's playing? What does this team do? Well, what does the opponent do? Well, and what am I looking for to come into play during the game that I can talk about? And then even if I, I'm looking for, let's say, you know, Brooklyn Nets, they struggle with offensive rebounding. So I'm looking for Portland to have an advantage there. If that doesn't happen, I can still use that. Well, I thought Portland was going to have an advantage because of this, but this is not what happened. I think once I learned that in any space in studio, like my prep doesn't have to be right. Like what I'm looking for doesn't have to be what happens. I can also explain why it didn't happen. And so that's helped a lot. But I would say for me, you know, basketball is still basketball. Um, NBA has to go. I go a step deeper to try and really find the why with those guys. But it's all the same game to me. So that's that's why it's so fun. And that's why it's easy to translate from one to the next. Because in every space, like I, I went to cover the Brooklyn Nets and the producers just asked me to be myself. No one's asking me to do anything different than what they've already seen me do. So it's I've been lucky in that aspect that everybody I've worked with is like, all right, what are your strengths? Let's play to that. And so it's been an easier transition than I thought. Um, again, going back to just who I'm working with. The game is definitely the game. There's not a whole lot of uh, situations where you can't pull from just the game itself. But how much do you enjoy the analytical side versus telling more of the kind of the personal stories of these players and coaches and being able to uh, showcase and highlight those personal stories? Yeah, the analysis side is by far my favorite. Um, And I think that's just because I love the game so much. And there are so many details in the game that make the game difficult that I think people at home don't know or they don't understand or they don't know what it feels like. And so I love breaking down the game. I enjoy having sideline reporters or being in studio and maybe telling a story about a player that's overcome something. And I think they're are moments for that for sure. But I love, even when I'm a sideline reporter for football, a lot of times I talk to the players about their skill set or about the game or about what they worked on and, and why they're having success on the field, right? So I've talked to quarterbacks and they're working on their timing and the three steps, three step drop is what they had the hardest time with or twisting their hips and that type of stuff as far as how are you able to do what you do at such a high level and why does it work or why doesn't it work? And what are you working on? That's that's the analysis part that I thoroughly enjoy. It just comes way more natural to me than it's a great touchdown or it's a great score. It's a great play that's ran. Coming in with a personal story 
there's a place for that, but it doesn't feel as natural for me as coming in with the why or the analysis. So one is just going to always be more natural than the other. And that's, that's the analysis for me. How much uh, football did you have to learn to get comfortable out there somewhat breaking it down? Luckily, I didn't have to learn too much because my dad coached football. So I grew up watching football, around football. He had football on all the time. That's how we spent our time together. Um, So I I understood football. I went to Buford High School, which is in Georgia, which is like football country. Um, They call it Buford University. They've won like a million state championships in football. And so I, all my friends played on the football team. I watched very closely Um, in college. My best friend was on the football team. So I I had a good grasp of what was going on with football. It was more like talking to the coaches, picking up on some of the little phrases that meant something, but I wasn't sure exactly what they meant. Right. And so like, I don't know, like inside zone or, all right, we just got to keep moving the sticks or all these little phrases that people just use commonly in the football world. That's what I had to learn. But as far as the game went, like I, I knew the pressure of, you know, third and two, you know, on the opponent's 20 yard. Like I, I understood those situations. You know, Dre, when me and you talked many, many moons ago, you know, you're fresh out of college trying to get into this business and, you know, saying, man, I only got four games. I only got five games. And I just, you know, was talking, hey, be patient. Your time will come. The trajectory that you're on now, did you envision that? however many years ago? Um, no, I didn't envision it at all. Honestly, I remember telling you, I remember telling a lot of people in my life like, oh, I love my life. I'm an Orange Theory coach that calls SEC women's basketball games during the winter. And like, that's that's really how I pictured my life. I had a great job at Orange Theory. I loved it. I felt like I was going to move up in that company. And just call women's basketball games for the SEC network, which I thought was great. And that's what I really thought my ceiling was. Like, I remember telling LaChina Robinson, oh, yeah, I never want a sideline report. I never, ever (laughs) thought about studio. After my first studio show, I was like, oh, they're never going to bring me back. I just I never (laughs) I just never I never thought I spilled tea on the very first day at the studio. I was like, they're never they're never going to have me again. And um, I think when I was my last year part time, I did like 40 assignments and I was like this is crazy it was like the tournament it was studio it was games and then I went full-time last year and I did 136 so it's been um I I just never thought I would I never saw it coming honestly at all what have you leaned on you know during I mean that's a lot that is a heavy change from being um, a women's basketball analyst to now doing football, having your own show with Lang and then covering the NBA, the WNBA. So you're, you're doing everything, you know, what have you leaned on? Cause I know people are listening are like, they, they know who you are because you, you are covering so many different things and you're, and you're young. So, you know, they're, they're like, what's her path? Cause I'm trying to get on that path too. <laughs> Honestly, I think I, I feel like I'm the picture perfect example of what having support means because that I feel like it just is the people around me. Like there are times where I called LaChina in tears. Alyssa and I have had so many heart to hearts. I've been able to talk to so many different people, different mentors from Elle Duncan to Rebecca Lobo to Holly Rowe to Carolyn Peck to you, Steffi. Like, and I just, 
I ask a million questions. Every producer that I've worked with, with the exception of like maybe a couple, have been amazing. Like, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what it should sound like. This is what it should look like. And for me, I like to know what's expected. And I like to know what's going to look good. What's going to sound good. What do I need? Like my prep as far as the knowledge is always going to be there. But how is my delivery? What does it sound like? And I just take that information and apply it next time. And, you know, like my producer, Jonathan, for out of pocket, I would always tell him like, hey, if I'm low energy, get in my ear. Or, hey, if you need something, just tell me. And I feel like everybody that I've worked with, when I tell them, hey, just tell me and I'm going to get it. If you just tell me, you're only going to have to tell me once. That's kind of been what I've fallen back on. And then just support. Like, there's just no way I would have been able to do any of this without having people to call or people that are watching that I trust that can give me feedback. You know, like I had one of my high school teammates called me um, or I talked to her after a WNBA game and she was like, you didn't really sound like yourself during that game. And I was like, damn, really? I didn't sound like myself. She was like, no, she was like, usually I can tell that it's you, but I didn't even know it was you until the third quarter. And so just feedback like that from people in my personal life and then a ton of support from people in my professional life um, has been really, really helpful. Like, yes, time management, yes, being disciplined, all, all of that stuff. But I think it's the emotional, mental support that I have from so many people. Like, you know, like there's so many people around you and behind you, you can't go backwards. And that's how I feel. Like there's so many people around me on my sides, kind of keeping me blindfolded and behind me, pushing me forward that I just keep going forward. And that's what it feels like. It's a, it's an incredible feeling, honestly, to, to have this much support. What was the impact of Pat Summit on your life? Pat was great. I think one of the biggest things for me that I take away from Pat was how she always had time for people. Like if you think about, and, and this is, you know, if you think about Pat Summit and how busy she is and how much she has going on and her legendary status. And you know, I remember being at the Georgia game when they played the University of Georgia. I think I was in ninth or 10th grade. And she was just willing to talk to everyone, Georgia fans, Tennessee fans. She's signing autographs. She's taking pictures and having genuine conversations with people. They're like, oh, I met you in 1990. She's, it, she's really listening and she's being genuine with them. And I think that was one of, even for her to talk to me, like I'm in ninth grade and we're talking on the phone about high school and ice cream and, you know, just random things, my family. And she never seemed too busy. And so anytime that I feel like I'm too busy, like maybe I'm rushing into the arena and somebody wants to stop and talk to me and I'm a little nervous about my game. And I, you know, I have a little bit of anxiety taking a breath and like remembering Pat Summit had the time for everyone. Like I, there's, there's no way I don't have time to talk to people or to connect to people or to make people feel seen. Like Pat always made me feel seen. She always made me feel heard with everything that she had going on. And so I try to move with that level of humility that I, that I really got from her. She was also tough, which I, <laughs> I really loved. But yes. I think, I think it's her humility that I experienced that really sticks with me because She's one of the greatest of all time. And I've met coaches that don't seem like they have time for anyone. And so I, I just remember with Pat, she always did. What is your favorite ice cream? 
Ah, man. Ice cream. She don't eat ice cream. <laughs> I eat ice cream. Man. I eat ice cream sometimes. My favorite is mint chocolate chip, but I don't eat dairy that often. Oh. So sometimes I have to go with like the non-dairy options. <laughs> so it's whatever non, whatever dairy-free ice cream option that they have. Jenny's has really good dairy-free ice cream, free free advertising there. I hate when there I do that. There we go. Um, but yeah. Mint chocolate chip uh, is the way to go. There we go. I like flavor. that. Good flavor. That's down. I'm down um, with that. I got two more questions for you, Dre. Uh, one personal, one basketball. So, okay. um, you know, we call games and we talk to student athletes and there's this huge juggle right now with name and likeness, the pressure of performing as an individual and then uh, your team being successful, right? And balancing like your brand versus playing on a team. So how have you managed? I know that seems kind of, I'm trying to make a correlation because, because there you're what you've been able to do in such a short time, one, you work your ass off. That's why you're there. Okay. For starters, but two, it's been so fast. And how have, has, has there been anything negative or people that have been negative towards you that has been a challenge and you've been able to overcome it? I say that because I think players too, like there's challenges and putting themselves out there when they're really good. And, and we've seen players that get like death threats if they miss shots. I mean, it's like, there's, it's a jungle, right? It's t- chaos on social media. So for you, has there been a challenge challenge that you've um, had to welcome or, you know, how have you been able to uh, kind of put the naysayers, if there are, kind of at bay? I think for me, it, I keep saying I think like it's not how I actually feel. But for me, the it's almost the same as when I was a player if I was critiqued as a player, say on blogs or, or say, you know, like your know, blogs are a big thing back when I played and um, Tennessee fans would get on there and just, just type their hearts away, um, negative, positive, whatever. And if I ever stumbled across something that was written negatively about me, it only bothered me. Like it, it genuinely bothered me if I knew I didn't put the work in that week. So like if I knew I wasn't in the gym extra, I knew I hadn't spent time getting up extra shots. I knew I wasn't as focused as I needed to be. That critique would hit me so hard. Like it would just, it would bother me because while I did maybe try my hardest in the game that they were basically talking shit about me in, while I tried my hardest in the game, I knew that I didn't put the work in that week and that would kill me. And so same thing with being an analyst and same thing with being on TV. Like I had, I had someone during the WNBA playoffs, she sent me a message on Facebook and she was like, are you proud of what you said about Candace Parker that the the game is called differently for her because you pissed off a lot of Tennessee fans? And I read that and I so easily was able to brush it off because one, I got that from James Wade. He said that about her. Two, the game is called differently for legends. Three, I knew I got that from a coach. I knew that she could have possibly been called a foul. Like it was a call that went both ways. So I felt great about my prep. I felt great about what I said. I knew that it came from a place of prep and studying and putting the time in. So I was not bothered by it, right? So if it's a genuine mistake that I make on air, but I put the time in and the prep in, I don't care what anyone has to say. Even sometimes if I'm making a point, but it doesn't come off the right way and I have to correct it and then I'm getting, you know, people are giving me hell on Twitter or whatever, I'm like... I put the prep in and I put the work in. People talk every day and make mistakes when they're speaking. I just happen to do it on TV, right? So it's kind of the same thing with with being being a player. If for me now, 
if I put the prep in and I've done my studies and I talked to the coaches and I talked to the players, I've watched my film, whatever comes out and however you want to critique it is fine because I know I put the work in. And so that's the only way that I feel good. Like I remember this was covering softball and it's coach Walton. Coach Walton is the Florida coach. And so this person tweets me, tweets that, you know, call it says I have a speech impediment because I don't say the T in Walton. Yeah, I have this tweet. If we had to, I, I wish I could find it. I screenshotted it. She deleted it later because I called her out on it. But uh, I don't pronounce the T in Walton. There, She was like, who let this woman with a speech impediment come on TV and call softball, blah, blah. I was like, okay, if it's, if it's something about the way I talk or the way I sound or the way I look or the way I naturally am, I could not care less what you think. Obviously, my bosses think I do a great job, so that's why I'm here. Um, but if it's a critique on my analysis, as long as I put the work in and I know it's coming from a place of prep, I just don't care. So I, I hope athletes take that same. It's hard, but I, I would hope that athletes and young people can take that same mindset. If you're putting the time in and you're putting the work in and you're doing your best, it it does not matter what anybody has to say. I mean, the, the greatest are critiqued all the time by very bored people on social media. So just trust your prep, trust your work and trust that you're being yourself. And that's, that's really just how I get through all of the critique. That would be the biggest obstacle. It's just the critique from people that yeah. don't, they don't know you. They don't know yeah. anything about me. Nothing. Um, and they have a lot to say, which I think <laughs> is interesting. It's a, it's great advice. And I hope people take it uh, to heart. It sounds like a page out of Doris Burke and you know, Doris would take a lot of heat for being critical, especially on the women's side. She's covering the NBA. She didn't give a shit because right. she, you know, she knew what she was talking about. And if you wanted to come at her, she, you know, she, she knew she did the work yeah. to get there. So um, my last question and then I'll let Rich uh, close it out. I know you got stuff to do as the busiest woman in America. Um, <laughs> Dre, who is the best player in women's college basketball right now? Ah, the best player in women's college basketball right now. Oof. This is a t really tough question, actually. This is so, regardless of position? Yeah. Who's the best? <sighs> is it a, a two-way tie? Is it a three-way tie? Or is it just one person that you have in mind? I, I Aaliyah Boston comes to mind immediately. Because I feel like she is a pro. Like when you talk about her mindset, her skill set, her ability to take over a game when she needs to. We saw her struggle at the beginning of the game against Stanford and then flip the switch at the end of the game against Stanford. Like she kind of was able to figure it out along the way and put the pieces together at the end of the game to get it done. Her defensive presence, her leadership her command of her teammates, her court, the court. I think Aaliyah is at the top of the top. Um, it's hard because Aaliyah is a post player. So it's very difficult because there are a lot of times where the ball has to get to her. Like she can't get the basketball and dribble the ball up the floor and just run the entire offense. But I think when the ball gets to her, she absolutely knows what to do with it. A little more is it's, a little more out of her control, a player that I love. I think she is so good. Her shots clean. She's more explosive this season, mid range game, getting to the bucket, facilitating for her teammates, the deep defenses completely adjusting for her. I really like AZ Fudd's game. She's injured right now. 
But my girl, my girl, AZ Fudd, man. AZ, AZ is so good. Like her shot is so quick. She can get it off the dribble. She can get it off the catch. She is just dynamite from the three-point line, just on time, on target. I think AZ is such a good player. Um, So I I would say, I wouldn't say, I would still give the nod to Leah because she's a veteran and she's been through the ringer and she's won a national championship and she, it's hard again because Aaliyah doesn't have the ball in her hands all the time. AZ, when she has the ball in her hands, I think she can score in any capacity. Her strength, her skill set, I would say AZ is right there. Um, But Aaliyah would be the best player in my opinion right now. Okay, I got I got Aaliyah one A, Caitlin Clark one B, AZ Fudd one C. Ooh, okay, yeah, that's, Those are, that's fair. I mean, that's close. It's a three way tie right now for me. I think you know, you know, we could debate it all day long because what Caitlin Clark can do, yeah, you know, is is very rare. But she doesn't defend like Aaliyah. Correct. Right. Yep. So you know, that's where I kind of give the nod to Aaliyah. She's two way yeah. all day. She's a veteran. But what Caitlin does is. You know, you can't guard her. Yeah. Yep. You can't guard AZ. So they're they're a three-way tie for me. Yeah. Well, I love Diamond Miller. Now, she might not have the skill sets necessarily as some of the other players, but she's got that attitude and just hitting the game winner. And I just love shushing the crowd, running around, you know, and waving to the crowd against Notre Dame. And I think that's what Stephanie and I have talked about. I love now that the women's game is getting much more showing the personality of these players and letting them do that. Uh, so again, I don't think you can go wrong with any of those, but I just love when you see players explode like that and have some joy and excitement and a, a little yes. bravado or whatever it is. I, I love that. We're seeing a lot more in the game right now. All right, Drea. So last question for you, what have been the biggest surprises on the women's side this year for you? Uh, the biggest surprises. Hmm. I think it's been a couple of teams struggles, honestly. Yeah. Like I, I was, I've been surprised by Louisville's struggles a little bit more than I anticipated. I've been surprised by Tennessee's struggles much more than I anticipated. And obviously Tamara Key's health um, is the, the most important thing. Our thoughts are with her, but Tennessee's struggles early were, were, were a surprise to me. You just didn't know what was going on. Um, and, and Louisville struggles for sure. I think also, you know, some freshmen popping up on the scene that have been a ton of fun to watch. Um, there, there've been a lot of surprises, the competitiveness, the performance of some of these teams, like South Carolina's ability to still win basketball games, despite teams forcing them to shoot jump shots, despite teams just packing the paint their ability to get it done. So I like Stanford looks really good, but I would say some team struggles. I mean, Louisville was in the final four last year and is having struggles. You lose a player like Emily Ingsler. I get it. That's extremely, that's extremely difficult, but I think some of the team struggles have been, been a surprise for me. Well, we can't thank you enough for jumping on the podcast. I know you've got a thousand things to do at this time, but uh, we greatly appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you in the studio, on the field, <laughs> on the court, wherever it might be. So thanks so much. Thanks, y'all, for having me. I appreciate it.
All right, Steffi, thanks so much for arranging Drea to jump on with us again. I know she's so busy right now, but I think you could tell she loves being busy and that's just part of her career right now and taking advantage of it. And I love that mindset of how she was talking about, yeah, you don't know what is going to happen in the future. So go ahead and if I'm busy now, I'm busy now and go for it. Yeah. You know, anyone that listens to this podcast and listens to, you know, Andrea Carter, um, they've probably seen her on TV at this point. They don't know the backstory of like when she first got into the business because her and I worked together very closely. You know, she would do a game or she would do studio and she would drive from like Charlotte back to Atlanta at like three in the morning to get back to teach Orange, Orange Theory classes at six. Like her work ethic is is truly um, next level. That's why I think, you know, she does a great job. She does a great job, but her work ethic has really separated her um, in terms of, you know, why we're seeing her on NBA, WNBA, college football, college basketball, men's and women's, you know, her reach is everywhere because she works hard and um, she's worked hard at it. And I'm really proud of her. I mean, I, I think that, you know, the path that she's on, you know, I don't know how much longer we can keep her on women's basketball. <laughs> I hope we yeah. can. I think an NBA team's going to scoop her up um, personally, and she'll be calling NBA. But uh, we, we like to hold on to our people as long as we can on the women's side. But I, I enjoyed her inside. I think, uh, you know, she had some good information for for young people because she's young. Of course, yes. And she's been able to have success an early part of her career. And I just think it's amazing how she can make the transition from studio to football and then as a color analyst as well. That's got to be very difficult because you're juggling so many different things going from sport to sport and being able to not only capture some of the personal stories that she talked about, but just how she loves the analytical side and being able to break that down. So again, back to that work ethic. I mean, she's doing a lot of preparation each and every day because she's got so many different things going on. It's crazy how she's been able to find that type of success. Yeah. And I think the key for her has been that she has stayed true to mm -hmm. who she is. You know, as a player, she was a little things kind of player, hustle, grit, Whatever, you know, Tennessee needed from her, she was willing to do. And so she's gone into um, games as a sideline reporter, as an analyst, as a studio person. Um, you know, she has she always watches the game th through the lens of like the little things. And I think that, you know, she when she's breaking down film about K KD or, you know, she's talking about Damian Lillard and, you know, it's she's got an eye for the little things. And I think that, you know, that makes her, you know, unique. Um, as an analyst in our game. One thing I want to talk about, because, you know, we are, we are a college basketball podcast and it was kind of a crazy week um, on the men's yes. side, just some upsets. And um, on the women's side, I, I think when we were talking about kind of surprises, you know, some of the struggles, you know, if you want a good sound sound clip, Rich, just pull up Louisville women's basketball press conferences and pull up Jeff Walls. He will give you 15 yes, minutes of straight fire. He doesn't give a damn <laughs> about anything. Like I was listening to three of them yesterday just because I was like, I want to see what Jeff's got going on. And, uh, you know, a reporter asked them about, uh, you know, the struggles and the reporter was referencing a player saying they had a come to Jesus moment. And Jeff Walls was like, uh, we're not curing cancer. We're playing <laughs> basketball. So I don't know why Jesus is involved. So... <laughs> He's a he's hilarious, but he's he'll just tell you the truth. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of coaches 
uh, kind of struggling. You know, Tennessee struggled. I mean, Texas yes. has struggled. They haven't always had Rory Harmon. Rory Harmon's a very big piece of that puzzle. Um, Baylor's missing some players because of injuries. There, there's been some injuries. UConn played Maryland the other night with seven people. Um, their their bench that wasn't dressed was like That's all right. Americans. That's a big uh, win for Maryland so, though, to finally get over the hump against oh, UConn. Yeah, it was a it was a big win for them, and it always looks good on the resume. Um, so they're you know on the men's side has. You know, I really like Alabama. I like Arkansas. You know, I, you know, I'm deep That's in the right, SEC. Of course. Those two teams. Um, I, 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 I know Arkansas is young, but I think that they're talented. I, and I like what Nate Oates does at Alabama. What on the men's side um, has stood out to you so far? Yeah, obviously uh, Nate Oates and what Alabama was able to do to take down Houston, number one team in the country, not only in the AP poll, but also in the net rankings that first came out. So it was a huge win for Alabama. I think the other side in on the men's in terms of some surprises is what we're seeing with Purdue as they keep climbing and now being able to, uh, with Zach Eady, just be the top team right now. And then also Virginia and Tony Bennett. Just never sleep Tony on Bennett. Tony Bennett and the Cavaliers. Yeah. I mean, it is crazy that... Um, this is a team that has, from the beginning of the season, has quickly risen uh, to the top uh, in college basketball. Not the top, but you know what I'm saying, in the, t- in the top five there. Uh, but it's a surprise because, I mean, there's still questions, uh, I think, offensively with Virginia. But they play such good defense. You know, that's, that's the key there uh, for Virginia and the Cavaliers. But obviously, on the men's side, the biggest question mark and the biggest what the hell is going on is North Carolina. I mean, completely free falling, you know, and yeah. I know they, they had that tough four overtime loss to Alabama, but they lost to Iowa state before that. And <laughs> then just have continued to free fall. Just don't look in sync. And that was a little bit, I sh- and that was a surprise just from the aspect of you had Armando Baycott coming back, you added Pete Nance, you had, you know, the guard play there with North Carolina and they just haven't, they haven't played well just overall. So, but we, we saw last year. Don't you think, don't you think that plays kind of right into, you know, how last year no one talked about North Carolina. That's right. Now they're slipping. It's like, Oh, you know, maybe they don't want to be in the limelight, you know, to make a surge February, March. I don't know. We'll, We'll see. I agree thousand percent with that is that you can't write off North Carolina right now because we saw what they did. I mean, I think people were writing them off last year, first year under Hubert Davis. And obviously look what they did getting to the national championship game, losing to Kansas there. So who's to say they can't do it again? Because they've they've done it before. And they're a much more talented team this year, especially depth wise. They didn't have the depth last year and now they do. They just got to get it get it together. But I think this is part of college basketball overall, Steffi, that the transfer portal, you have these teams that are structured architecturally completely different than they were the previous year at times. And so it might take, you know, a month or so before some of these teams really find their rhythm. And just even from a perspective of these coaches, and even I think that's what you might be seeing on the women's side also is the rotation understanding what's the best, you know, rotation with these players and, you know, or do you have 10 players? Can you whittle that down to a seven, eight person type of rotation and be most efficient? So there's still a lot of college basketball to go. So I'm not worried about some of these teams. 
Are, are you surprised with the success? We always talk about UConn on the women's side, but then on the men's side in particular this year. Yeah. And I think the Big East is one of those conferences that you don't need to sleep on anymore. And I know we talk about power five, it's the power six, because you've got the big East and UConn is leading that charge. And what uh, coach Hurley is doing there is quite impressive considering they haven't been in the limelight in a long time. I mean, I I say long time, you know, but uh, relatively speaking, it's obviously not the Connecticut that we've uh, known over the years when they had their lull, but yes, here they are. I, I think that is another team that, a lot of people probably didn't see coming so strongly at the beginning of this season. Uh, lots of surprises so far to start this uh, college basketball season off. I'm, I'm eager to get into conference play. We're going to see who was tested, who wasn't. Um, that'll show pretty early. So um, I'm looking forward to conference play. I had a great conversation with, uh, with Dre. I'm glad she uh, hopped on and let's, let's get December underway. Conference play? Here we go. December will be over before you know it, and we will be really in the heat of conference play, even though we know there's teams already playing conference because, like the ACC, on the men's side, you have to play 20 conference games. They got to get them in before you start in January. So uh, it's a little bit earlier for some of these teams playing conference games. But we will be back for another episode of Automatic. And if you haven't already, just make sure you go over to wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to Automatic and you'll make sure you get the latest episode each and every week. Until next time, this is Automatic. Automatic.